You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and congratulations go out this evening to all the winners at the recent Food and Wine magazine awards, particularly those who have appeared here on the show, including Gary O'Hanlon in Viewmont House. He is officially the best chef in Leinster and that wasn't the only good news for Gary that week as his son Ollie arrived and I believe there was some drama around that as Gary was on his way to do a demo at Taste of Donegal and had to turn back to take his wife to the hospital and once Ollie was safely delivered and everyone had the all clear, Gary set off again to fulfil his demo commitment. What a pro. And I have to say I'm looking forward to visiting Viewmont House this weekend to sample his cuisine. Best Chef in Munster went to Wade Murphy in 1826 Adair, just down the road from our studio here in Newcastle West. Greens in Cork City, where Brian McCarthy is at the helm, won Best Restaurant in Munster. Then we had J.P. McMahon's Michelin starred Anir in Galway, who won the accolade for Best Restaurant in Connacht, and J.P. himself was inducted into the Food and Wine magazine Hall of Fame. The North did very well this year, with Best Wine Experience and Best Sommelier being awarded to Alan Kerlock at the fabulous Ox in Belfast, and Best Chef went to a female for the first time, and that was Danny Berry from Dean's Epic in Belfast, another Michelin star restaurant. And tonight, Food and Wine magazine's Rachel Keeley is due in the studio to reveal details about her latest dining spot. Caroline Gray from Easy Food magazine has a preview of the September issue. Fiona Madigan from Garrett's Butcher will join us to talk about Garrett's gobblers and finally at the end of the show i'll be finding out what we can expect at taste of west cork which starts this friday and runs until september the 18th if you'd like to get in touch with me please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at queen of org as in queen of organization and you know it's always great to hear from you so as i said the first guest this evening is our resident restaurant reviewer rachel keely Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, how are you this evening? I'm great, Sharon. How are you? Great. And you're very welcome back to the studio. Summer is over. It is, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping we get one of those Indian summers they always talk about and uh, we never quite get. Maybe when everyone's back at school fully, maybe that's when it'll kick in. Well, well fingers crossed. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, we have the memories of the places you've been to eat and your last time that you were here you said you were going to Dingle yes yes we uh, we spent a lovely bank holiday weekend down there on our holidays <laughs> and you'd be spoiled for choices with the number of lovely restaurants and bars and different cafes that there are to eat in Dingle absolutely it's amazing how such a tiny little village in the outer outcrops of western Ireland practically in the Atlantic uh, can become so famous for its food and for its suppliers and its producers and um, its advocates of Irish food it's amazing and I'd imagine a bit busier than this year not that it isn't busy normally during the summer but much busier because of the Star Wars movie being filmed just outside the town yes we had an idea of possibly getting over to um, Skellig but uh, we were promptly informed that we were delusional and we were going to have to sign up three months in advance to get to get over there so I mean maybe it's died down now but at the time uh, they said we better chance of swimming there ourselves wow. okay well that's <laughs> us happening. all we're all told and warned now basically yeah so tell us where you enjoyed, was it dinner or lunch? 
We went for dinner. Um, we went for dinner uh, with a couple of friends to a place called Idos, uh, which I had heard about but had never had the opportunity to visit. So I was very glad we did. Now that's spelled I-D-A-A-S. Is it is it I-D-A apostrophe A-S or is it I-D-A-S? Because my Irish now would not be up to scratch and obviously Dingle is a, an Irish-speaking area. It is indeed and uh, I will preface it's a good point. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it right or not. Uh, I come from a very different dialect of Irish and, and of which I know very little um, but I believe it's Edo's because the father is on the A Okay, um, I believe Do you know what it, what it means? Yes, it refers to the chef's grandfather Okay His name uh, was Edo Well, I think Edo again I could be completely wrong but I think it may be um, a sort of a familial term for granddad Okay um, That kind of thing or it could be his first name. I really should find out. All right. No, that's nice. <laughs> that sounds good. We'll, we'll run with that. Yeah. So what sort of restaurant is it? Is it seafood? Because obviously Dingle and the whole seafood and the fishermen coming in there is hugely popular. Is it predominantly seafood or is there lots of meat there as well? Because I suppose as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about the Dexter beef and everything that is reared very close to the town. Yeah, I, th- I think you've got it in a nutshell, Sharon. It's it's what is reared close to the town and, and whether that be sort of what's caught um, um, or what's foraged or what's grown or what is uh, is reared in terms of livestock it's basically a little bit of everything um, it's very much focused on local uh, very much focused on simple um, and simplicity and um, and also in sort of, sort of what I found from it in terms of the menu and in terms of chatting to the chefs is that it's about sort of reaching into their local history and um, taking what is available to them uh, in their environment and working from there. So the menu seems to follow from the ingredients, not the other way around, which is very interesting. Tasting menus are very popular in Dingle and some of the restaurants there, I find. Did you go for a tasting menu? Do they have a tasting menu? They do indeed. Uh, we weren't anticipating it. I, I often don't like ant- tasting menus because I end up so full um, and with such a variety of different dishes that I'm ready for nothing but the, the, the laba, as they would say down there by the time I'm leaving. Um, but the menu here just sounded so intriguing that I had to taste it. It was the best way to kind of get a taste of everything was to go for this this mixture menu. Um, so it entailed six courses for 60 euro. Um, there's also another set menu for 45 so if you don't want as many as six courses you can always go for that um, and then given that it was the bank holiday weekend and given that it was a Friday and we were on our holidays we added wine pairings for an additional 45 euro so it's it's a bit of a treat night out at that rate so that makes for 105 euro each but it's six courses and six wines so it's it's, a, it's an event really. I find with the wine pairings that it really does complement a meal Yes, especially when you're sort of at that level, um, you know, where, where there's somebody, the actual the staff that we dealt with, everybody to, to a man, um, and it was all men for some reason, um, was incredibly knowledgeable. Everyone seemed to know a lot about the particular field, whether it be the wine that they were serving or the food that they were serving. So we really felt that we were getting um, a, sort of a certain amount of knowledge and wisdom in going for these wine pairings in what worked with best best with each ingredient so it was worth it just for that sort of education I suppose you could call it So tell us about the courses then um, what I find is with the tasting menus is that I feel I should be sharing my portions with Michael that you know we shouldn't be eating the same given that he's much bigger than I am so um, which can be quite challenging then because 
But tasting menus, the portion sizes are obviously much mm-hmm. more modest. Yeah, I suppose they'd have to be or else you'd be rolled out of the place. Um, yeah, it's a problem in our house too, where my husband has a significantly bigger uh, appetite than I would. But what I find we enjoy uh, very occasionally is the ability to be able to talk about the same meal and the same dishes and the same tastes. Um, so because the portions are so small and we're all just getting little tastes, you're really concentrating more on what you're actually experiencing. Um, and because you're both experiencing same thing and tasting the same thing there's a lot of conversation about the food so again that turns what is a meal um, or sort of a dinner essentially into that little bit more of an experience you know to, to probably um, use a bit of a <laughs> common term in the industry but it really was uh, it, it's sort of something that's enjoyable for a couple to do every once in a while as well. Well talk us through each of the six courses then. Um, well it began with an amuse-bouche which was served on um, a stone uh, with a length of thistle running through it as a garnish. So it's kind of a very good introduction um, to what was to come in terms of the locality um, and the simplicity and uh, the rural kind of nature of it. Uh, we had a, a various arrangement, very, very prettily arranged, actually. Um, the chef, Kevin Murphy, went to art school, so I think that may have uh, led to some of the prettier designs uh, in terms of presentation. It, there was some freshly foraged sorrel, droplets of creamy yogurt on top of them, a local smoked pancetta which was amazing with cured egg yolk um, and some goat's cheese which was just hidden beneath paper thin slices of dehydrated beetroot so you can imagine that was that beautiful um, purple colour and uh, again I said just served in a stone just these little tastes of everything so that we can get an introduction to, um, to the meal that was to follow. Sounds lovely. It was very nice. Yeah, absolutely fab. Um, we followed with something very, very interesting, actually. It was a forage broth of land and sea. Um, so obviously that begged a question and it was soon answered with a bowl of sort of a dark, musky liquid. Um, and then within that, that liquid was uh, some vibrant green beets, coriander and aster, um, which were all actually claimed from the Atlantic. So it was sea coriander and sea aster, um, which is very, very different, actually. Um, there was a Glen Bay oyster served on the side and in the advice of our server we just pitched the oyster into the soup and ate it that way so it was a very very interesting way to eat it you know you got that salty tang cutting through these sort of more umami kind of umami kind of flavours um, and it all worked beautifully then with Loire Valley Muscadet which is a wine that's close to my heart given that I went to college in Nantes uh, I drank an awful lot of that when I was younger um, so it was a very very uh, interesting dish and again very simple it sounds delicious. It was. It was one of those divisive dishes. And, uh, not everyone at the table liked oysters. Not everyone liked the strong umami flavours. Um, but I found that the, the contrast was, was very, very interesting. I love oysters, but I, I'd say I would have been reluctant to put it into the soup. I like them au naturel with nothing really, maybe a bit of Tabasco and lemon. I he- I don't like them heated up or cooked yes. in any form. It's a curious kind of texture when they're heated. Yeah. Yes, it's not necessarily a good one. Um, whereas mussels I do enjoy uh, heated yeah. for some reason. I don't yeah. know why the, the I know, contrast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very bizarre. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone in my notions. So. Um, but no, it, it was just, I suppose, a more interesting way of, of tasting it, to have that salt just cut through those, those flavours. Um, and again, that relates back to the experience as opposed to just a meal. So the next course brought you halfway through the third course. What was that? It was more seafood. We had scallops. Um, They were chopped with cucumber for texture and then mixed with fermented fennel, powdered rose and um, some lovely, very pretty lavender-coloured chai flowers. Um, So it was um, basically sort of a very refreshing, very... um, 
I suppose, palate cleansing dish to, to follow with from something as strong as the soup beforehand. Uh, it was served with a really, really excellent wine. It was an Argentinian Torontes. Um, it was from Bodega Colombe and a very, very strong nose and a long finish. It was an absolute, the highlight of the wines. Um, I nearly uh, pinched my, the rest of, I did in fact pinch the rest of my husband's glass of it. It was so enjoyable. Very nice indeed. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those ones that you're nearly reluctant to change, but you know that obviously you have to for the next course, but it was a very, very nice wine. What came next? More fish. Um, it was turbot, which was uh, served with something called coastline. And when I inquired as to what this was, uh, I was told it's a surprise. Uh, it was worth the wait and uh, worth a little bit of... Um, of trust, I suppose, in the kitchen. Uh, it's, it's sort of this whimsical phrase, but it encapsulates mussels, sea aster, samphire, and uh, little sort of uh, round potatoes that were rolled in ground seaweed, uh, which is a lovely way of mixing textures and mixing flavours as well. It was accompanied with homemade whey, cheese whey, which I haven't had before. Um, and I was astonished to find that it tasted quite lemony, quite citrusy even though the chef assured me there's absolutely no lemon involved in the cooking. So it's amazing how working with very simple ingredients can create these flavours uh, without having to resort, I suppose, for uh, to actually pulling down uh, a lemon from the shelf and chucking that in as well. It was very, very... Um, light and very silken in terms of its texture it worked beautifully with the uh, loire valley vivray um again another sort of nice white wine which which lent itself beautifully to the fish the next course must have been meat it was <laughs> at that point we'd had a lot of fish all right but um it was just right i think especially because the next course was probably the highlight um, i think i wrote in the review that that uh, my dining partners rarely struck dumb um, in silent appreciation or otherwise and in this case he just didn't speak the entire time he was eating it was an absolutely incredible um, local beef uh, I think it was a fillet actually if I remember correctly it was dry aged for 52 days and cooked in its own fat so no oil no butter just purely its own fat um, and to just I mean I just nudged it with the fork and it just cleaved in two it was so tender absolutely beautiful and cooked gorgeously perfectly pink on the inside it was served with balihura shiitakes um, so fresh uh, alongside a potato dauphinois and then they had these little burnt onions uh, well the onion sort of um, the, the, the layer which had blackened edges and inside it was puddled some um, consomme some onion consomme so it was a fabulously simple dish but the flavours were so rich um, and you could really tell that the 52 days of ageing really came through and it was the absolute highlight of the meal there must have been a nice red to go with it. There was. It was so good that when we finished, we ordered a bottle of it. No way. <laughs> It was that good, yeah. I did say there were more than just two of us there. Um, it was a Moulin de Chanlirac from the Rhone Valley. Um, very subtly spiced, but also quite rich. So uh, it worked beautifully with the, with the meat. I, I find that there are some reds that I like a heavily full-bodied red with a lot of sort of pepper flavours to it um, but you need quite a strong robust red to stand up then to the uh, to the meaty flavours and this this worked absolutely perfectly does that bring us then to dessert um a palate cleanser i think is okay what yeah we had crushed apple chopped hazelnuts and a berlita that was quite sour and um, so it definitely cleansed the palate it 
cleansed it all the way. <laughs> and you were ready for dessert then? We were. Um, dessert was actually fabulous. Again, very, very it, it focused on the locality uh, and seasonality as well. We had uh, rhubarb, very, very tart. And again, um, it, it sort of good to wash away all those uh, heavy flavours from the meals earlier on. It was bedded in a very soothing kind of mascarpone uh, with a dash of dingle gin, of course, and some crushed juniper berries as well, which really kind of elevated the presentation of the dish and served with a glass of Prosecco. Oh, lovely. Yeah. glass of Prosecco at the end. Mm. It was what we needed to revive us for the walk home, I can tell you, because we were so full at that point. So it was perfect. In terms of value then, you said it was €60 for the six courses and the wine pairing was Mm 45 So that was 105 It sounds like you got a lot to eat and drink for your money. We did. It was very much, it was was an event. It was something that I would would do as a treat. Um, And you certainly do get value from it. There's no doubt about it. The portions, I know we mentioned at the start, the tasting menu portions are often quite small. I didn't feel these were overly small. Um, I've been in some restaurants where you almost sort of have to take out a magnifying glass to see what's on the dish but that wasn't the case here the the steak in particular was absolutely perfect size um, it made all the guys around the table were very happy with the portion so that's a good arbiter I think okay super mm. so that's Edo's am I saying it correctly I think so in Dingle <laughs> whereabouts in Dingle is it they, I think they're just off the main street they're on John Street um, so I think it's just as you're coming in the first roundabout if I remember correctly um, we stayed in a very nice B&B across the road and it was perfect Okay, super. Lovely. Thanks a million for coming in tonight to tell us about that. I know you don't know where you're off to next, but we look forward to you coming back in in October to to tell us where you've been. Thanks a million, Rachel. Thanks, Sharon. Great to be here. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Thanks again to Rachel. And if you have a restaurant that you think she should visit, please drop me an email, s.noonan at live.ie, with all the details, and I'll pass that on to her. Still to come tonight, Fiona Madigan from Garrett's Butchers will join us to talk about Garrett's Gobblers. And finally, at the end of the show, I'll be finding out what we can expect of Taste of West Cork, which starts this Friday and runs until September the 18th. Next, though, we're heading over to Caroline Gray, editor of Easy Food magazine, to find out what we can expect in the September issue. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Thanks so much for having me, Sharon. And the September issue is very special to me because it has a bit of a focus on Northern Ireland. It does. So with this issue, what we wanted to do was rather than just focus on one particular chef as, say, you know, a guest editor, we wanted to highlight Northern Ireland as the foodie destination that it is. Um, This year, 2016, is Northern Ireland's year of food and drink. So uh, we wanted to promote that and really kind of draw people's attention to all the great and delicious things that are happening there. And Northern Ireland is so in vogue at the moment because their restaurants, of course, they got the two Michelin stars last year with Epic and Ox. But those two restaurants actually did very well in a recent awards ceremony also. So I was just talking about that at the very start of the programme. So well done to them. So tell us a bit then about what you have in there for Northern Ireland. Are there some Northern Ireland ingredients, for example? Exactly, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a feature where we're sort of combining the best of the travel and the foodie world. So what we've included is a nice 10-page feature with some ingredients that, say, are really unique and really special to Northern Ireland. So we'll have, you know, for instance, like these the Bramley apples, and, you know, they're so unique to, you know, Armagh there that 
we have a gorgeous apple galette that's in the feature here. So we have a recipe where you can cook it yourself, but then we've also included some information on Bramley apples as well as if you want to go visit, where to go, where to stay, what to do. Um, so it's really, you know, it's really a foodie paradise when you go up there. I mean, there's, like you said, there's some gorgeous Michelin-starred restaurants, but then just the the ingredients from the produce like apples or the seafood or the meats or even local preserves and everything like craft beers, there's really so much going on and they're being incorporated into everything from really nice restaurants to even kind of, uh, you know, pub grub that when you go and visit, you can really make the most of it and have just this excellent food lover's experience. And it was your colleague Jocelyn that won the the toss to get up there to to spend a bit of time. I was. I was very jealous. We've actually, Jocelyn and I have both taken a few trips this year up to Northern Ireland just to kind of see it for ourselves and kind of make the most of it. And, you know, it's one of these, this was another opportunity to go. And like you said, she kind of won the coin toss. So, yeah, she did a, um, a really nice feature on kind of some Northern Ireland craft beers and was talking about cider. So that's kind of another feature we have there. You know, she always will do an article in every issue about some local Irish uh, producers and different foods available and you know even without thinking even without realizing to tie it all together uh, you know she wanted to kind of do this anyway so um, yeah it's definitely another really kind of cool undiscovered gem to check out. And there's a lovely picture of Paul Rankin who'd be very well known as one of Northern Ireland's top chefs he's smiling back at me there from the front cover yeah he is so you know we we always like to include you know an interview with whether it's our guest editor or kind of whoever's best representing issue so we just definitely wanted to talk to paul and he was so fun and so great and uh, he kind of gave us the rundown of where he likes to go you know on his weekends off and where he likes to eat whether he's kind of you know along the coastline northern ireland or if he's in belfast and you know, he was a great spokesperson, even for the, you know, for the year of food and drink. Like, he's really talking about how much things have changed, you know, not only in the past, you know, 10 years, but like the past 30 years. Like, you know, he's just saying how the food scene has totally been revitalized. And, you know, there's really a lot being offered up there that people, even, you know, uh, you know down in Dublin or throughout the rest of the country, might not be aware of, but it's really worth the trip. And that's, it was really kind of even... Um, you know, eye-opening for us to kind of research more into it and learn more about it. And like I said, you know, my colleagues and I have made a few trips up north already just this year alone because we've been getting so into it. So I'd say readers are going to have the same kind of reaction. Yeah, because going back in time, Paul Rankin would have had a number of restaurants and his restaurants were the like the top restaurants in Belfast at the time. Like for the special occasion, that's where you would love to have got. It was a real treat to get to Rosscoff or KN or whichever one was there at the time. Yeah, and that's the thing. And he was saying, you know, even say 10 years ago, there was great kind of top-end restaurants and cafes. And But he was saying now, you know, there's the spread from even kind of posh restaurants to, you know, casual fish eateries or gastropubs or, you know, the, the range of small-scale producers. So, you know, he, he what he's kind of saying, even he himself, kind of starting from these just unbelievable, amazing restaurants, but that love of food and just that kind of all-pervasiveness has sort of trickled down to everybody and that's what's making the food seem so vibrant right now. 
I can remember many years ago now he had a place um, like a casual cafe type place and I think I had spent some time in Canada and and had just come back and I was down in city centre with my sister we'd gone in there for something and I'd said well we sit outside there was a few tables and chairs outside now this was a real rarity and of course she looked at me like I was from a different planet like why would you sit outside yeah you know with your coat on like why would you do that but sure look that's it's so pleasant to do that to be sitting outside in the fresh air it is it's a gorgeous thing and like that I mean like just kind of that innovativeness and everything I mean it's you know it was happening then and it's totally happening now so like that I mean the, the trips I've taken up just uh, like I said from everything from these really really nice restaurants to even just a quick casual dinner I've been totally blown away and I have not stopped recommending it enough to my friends that's great it's always good to hear that yeah yeah so it's a great feature I, I can't wait for people to kind of read it and delve in and, and like that to actually get the travel tips is really helpful because you're hearing from the experts from the people who know best uh, where to go what to do where to eat well it is September so that means we're back to packed lunches for children we are yes so this is um, also kind of a nice back to school issue and we, we do we're kind of including everything from some of our favourite uh Everything from like the standard chicken fillet rolls, you know, how to spice up that kind of sandwich to after school snacks and some healthy kind of uh, even meals and kind of treats that kids can make themselves after school. Yeah, that's always a big help now because parents are always looking for some inspiration and they're all about healthy lunchboxes now. And it, I mean, it's very, it's very <laughs> disheartening when that lunchbox comes home most days with the content still intact basically exactly that's it so we kind of have this nice there's a a step-by-step feature in here for young cooks it's our easy junior section that we always include and it's actually a nice hummus recipe so it's one of these things that kids can kind of it's a safe and very simple recipe for kids to make themselves and it's a great thing to pack into a lunchbox because it kind of encourages them to you know have some veggie sticks or you know you know, maybe have it on a sandwich or something, um, but it's healthy and it's wholesome. And we always find when kids are involved in making something, they're so much more likely to want to eat it themselves. So, you know, it's all about getting kids involved in cooking and getting them interested in what's going into their lunch so that that way when they open the lunchbox, you know, they'll say like, oh, I, I made this and look at this. I kind of picked this out. So that, that's at least one hopeful, helpful tip. And if that doesn't work, then you have facts about fizz. Yeah, <laughs> that's to keep the parents seeing, obviously not exactly. for the juniors. No, no, no. So that's the thing. So, we, <laughs> so yeah. When it all becomes too much, we have um, a nice feature there just on um, different sparkling wines. So you know, it, we kind of break it down between. So often we might just call any kind of sparkling wine or sparkling alcoholic drink champagne, but we're kind of talking about the difference say between champagne or cava or prosecco. So it's kind of just some fun, light-hearted reading, but uh, definitely useful for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Now, before you go, you must tell us what is your favourite recipe in this month's magazine? Oh, that's a tough one. But I would actually say, now we did a whole feature on um, pies and tarts and everything. So one of my absolute favourites, and I think because it just reminds me so much of kind of the classic American pie, the apple pie is the apple and blackberry lattice pie. 
So it's to- it's filled with just really seasonal, gorgeous fruits, and we have a step-by-step instructions on how to do a perfect lattice topping as well. And this is one that you're an expert at, I'd say. <laughs> it's one I've made a few times myself, I have to say, yeah. So <laughs> now that's something sweet. Have you anything savoury there that you'd recommend to us as well? Oh, sure. Let's see. Well, actually, the cover recipe is one of my... Uh, another favorite recipe it's um it's actually these it, they're scones and while you know it looks kind of like an average scone they're actually these cheddar chive ones so they're very savory they're very moorish they're perfect to have with um like a bowl of tomato soup and it's actually something that kids would love having in a lunch box so it's great you can kind of make them you can freeze them and pack them in the freezer for a while if you need and take them out as needed but um it's, it's actually a really nice savory baked recipe Fantastic. Well, another great issue, Caroline, out on the shelves now at all good news agents and the usual places so people should keep an eye out for it. Thanks so much for talking to us about it tonight and we'll talk to you again next month. Great. Thanks, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, Rachel Keeley shared her latest restaurant review with us. And just before the break, I was talking to Caroline Gray about the latest issue of Easy Food magazine. Don't forget, if you've missed any of the show so far, it will be up on the podcast later in the week and you'll find it on SharonNoonan.com or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. Still to come tonight, I'll be finding out what we can expect at Taste of West Cork, which starts this Friday and runs until September the 18th. Now, my next guest, Fiona Madigan, is one half of Garrett's Butchers, which is an award-winning butchers in Limerick City. Product development is very much at the heart of the business and Fiona is here to tell us about a fairly new range designed for children. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleite. Fiona, it's great to have you in the studio this evening. Thanks so much for travelling from Limerick City. But you have lots of West Limerick connections, don't you? Yes, I do. I'm originally from uh, Kilmeady. I went to school in Kilmeady and went to secondary school here in Newcastle West. So originally from a farm just between Kilmeady and Castlemahan. Yes, so based... All my family are based in West Limerick. And your husband, Garrett, for yes. whom the butcher of the business is called after Garrett, he yes. must have won the toss that night, though Fiona's but- butchers, <laughs> I think that has a nice ring to it. Um, he's from the, the area as he well. He is from Newcastle West as well, yes. So uh, Garrett uh, moved here when he was very young, nine months old, uh, and uh, he from Newcastle West as well yes so he was brought up here also so we have great connections yes with West Limerick Any reason why you have the businesses in Limerick City then? Uh, we when um, Garrett and I returned from Australia we travelled together um, and we returned from Australia in 2003 so I was actually working in Limerick City at the time. So we were looking actually at different places to open. And we looked even in Tralee in County Kerry. So we looked at various different places at the time. 
It was 2004, it was the uh, cusp of the Celtic Tiger. So, you know, it was down, a lot was down to location and what we could afford because we were starting a business from scratch. So new premises came up on Father Russell Road that were just actually built and were being rented and they became available and we just just started with our first store there in March 2004. Are you a trained butcher as well? You're yes, both butchers. I'm a fully trained butcher as well. Well, I have a slagging match with Garrett because yes, I say I'm actually a you know, a butcher longer than he is. We have this little uh, competition <laughs> between each other because my dad was a butcher and my grandfather was a butcher. So I grew up with the whole butchering trade, but I did actually go and get qualified. I got my certification and uh, I'm qualified as a butcher. Is also. that what you always wanted to do? It wasn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't what well, it just uh, when Garrett started the store himself I was off doing my own career and busy uh, getting it on with my own career and then helping Garrett in the mornings at lunchtime when I used to run in at work and in the evening times as well um, what was that career in I have to ask that was actually with the civil service yes so I was working with the civil service um, so I was helping out Garrett then as much I could and working the Saturdays because it was the busiest day. But the business just grew and grew. And I suppose we were lucky um, in that sense. And the time we came back to Ireland, it was Celtic Tiger was booming. And uh, we just, I suppose we hit, we hit the, at the right time. And yeah, the business just flourished from day one. And then I just became more and more involved in the business to the stage, yes, where I had to give up my own career. Um, but look, I, uh, I'm i not one bit sorry. I'm very happy with what I'm doing today and I love it. And I have to say, my dad, who was a butcher as well, was so delighted, yes. We got married and opened the shops. All his dreams came true. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? It's a great story. And I mean, your butchers is very unique in that the way you present your products and the way you package your products mm -hmm. is very appealing to the customer. And I'm very intrigued about Garrett's Gobblers, which is arranged specifically for children. How did the idea for this come about? Yes, well, we, I suppose we have our own two children, two boys, Michael and Porig. And um, as all parents are aware, children can get finicky with their food and I'm not eating this and I'm not eating that. So we thought, you know, we'd come up with a range specifically designed for children and also to try and teach children about the different types of meat and make them more aware of what they were eating and just make them more knowledgeable about meat and where it came from. So this all stemmed then back uh, to our gobblers range and we tried and tested lots of different things with our two children. And as you know, children are very honest uh, in their feedback and don't care about your feelings. So <laughs> everything was tried and tested on them and they're actually our biggest fans of our gobblers range. Well, there's quite a few in the range. Um, is, is there something like 14 different yes, varieties? Yes, there's, there's 14 different products at the moment and we are expanding them um, as time goes on. 
we have uh, all the different meats. We do chicken, beef, pork and uh, lamb and we have a sausage as well. So it's all just about teaching children all about meat, the different types of meat and just getting them more involved as well um, in their own nutrition and just be aware of what they're eating and also getting them involved in cooking um, you know, their food at home because it's going to stand to them for life. Well, I can't agree more because really whenever I went off to university, I was a bit clueless and I'm married to a man who went off to university armed with loads of different recipes and was is a great cook. Yes. You know, yeah. he's a fantastic cook and comes from a family of great cooks and he could use a washing machine and everything. It was it was super, whereas I was just the complete opposite end of the scale. So I think it is the earlier that you can get yes, them into yeah, the kitchen yeah. and be doing those simple, basic things with and them. Yeah, the exactly. Better. Their life skills, they'll yeah, have them for life. Yeah. And uh, I mean, everybody needs to eat. So everybody therefore needs to cook. So it's going to stand to them, you know, for their whole life. So hopefully with the knowledge that they know about good food and where it comes from, they'll be able to eat, you know, nutritionally well for the remainder of their adult life. Absolutely. Tell me what is the favourite in your household with your two boys? Do they both have the same one that's the favourite? Are they two typical siblings and my favourite's this one and the others is a completely different one? Uh, One has to be, uh, I suppose, uh, my eldest would prefer the beef. The beef gobblers, he prefers those. And then my youngest would prefer the chicken. But they are actually quite good. They are very good at eating lots of different types of meat. And they're not very picky, actually. But I think they've just been brought up in a sense that way that they've just ate what we've always ate. And, uh, you know, they're very good now, I have to say. But we do have always have instances, no, I'm not eating that. I don't like that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> as, is, as it happens in every household. Now, I'm looking at the garlic chicken gobblers with gluten-free crumb so these are like a chicken nugget they're like a chicken nugget yes um they're not flash fried i suppose which nuggets would um mostly be these are handmade in our stores we can make them with a gluten-free crumb or without so we hand make them in the store i suppose the thing to be aware of is that they're not made in a gluten-free environment so if your child is celiac um you know they wouldn't be made in a gluten-free so there would be cross-contamination but for intolerances they would be fine to mm-hmm. eat but not for for the allergen so do you cook these in the oven they cook them in the oven uh, yes we cook them all in the oven and that's the healthiest way to cook them and yeah you can have them for dinner or lunch and lots of adults have been known to eat them as well so they're not just for children adults seem to love them also <laughs> but the packaging's great the way you know the label and the logo and everything there is very eye-catching and will appeal to children children yes it is and we tried and tested those the packaging different types of uh, packaging with our children as well and with my nieces and nephews and Gareth's nieces and nephews and we asked them which was their favourite and we tried different colours and this is the one that came out on top so we let them really do the deciding and yeah this was the favourite. 
So collaboration with the smaller members of the family, but you also collaborated with a nutritionist. Yes, we did. We um, we got Aoife Hearn uh, from Orty's Operation Transformation and Aoife came to our house. She spent a whole day with me, so we I made all the products from scratch. We cooked them, we taste tested them as well. They got Aoife's approval, which I'm glad to see. We were creating these for the last uh, about three years. So they were a long time. We were working on them for a long time. So we're glad to see where they're finally on the shelves in our shops and they are approved by Aoife Hearn from Ortiz Operation I mean, Transformation. That must be a huge selling point. Yes, it is. And we have all the nutritional information as well that's available in our stores for the mammies and daddies to check or even for the children as well. So all the information is there also in our stores. In terms of pricing then compared to other type foods, where are you in terms of pricing? Ours would be, I suppose, in the middle. They're not the cheaper end and they're not very expensive. Um, We are placed probably in the middle of the market. The thing about our products is they are handmade, they are fresh, they're not frozen. We make them fresh every day. Sometimes we sell out in our stores, so even if we do, um, if people come in and look for them, we make them there and then for them. So they are a very fresh product and a healthy product, so that's the good thing. And you're sourcing the ingredients as locally as possible? Yes, yes, and all our meat is 100% Irish, and we're sourcing sourcing all our meat from as much as possible within Limerick or the neighbouring counties, Clare and Kerry. Because your brother, does he have a farm in West Limerick? Yes, my brother, John, yes, he has a, a farm that he inherited from my dad. So we were born and raised on, on the land in West Limerick. So yes, yes, so we have we have a big connection, I suppose, on both sides to farming and to agriculture. So we're keeping, we're keeping close to our roots. And you have pigs yourself? We have pigs ourselves, yes. Uh, we have a small farm and we keep our own free-range Tamworth pigs, which are great at escaping and uh, <laughs> annoying the neighbours and digging up their vegetable plots and all of that. <laughs> So they eat lots of lovely food because they keep going into all the neighbours and our own raised beds. They're good at uh, at that. Um, yeah, so we, we have our own free-range pigs, yes, as well, that we do supply to our, our own shops as well, which are very popular. And is that the only... Do you keep those only for yourselves? Yes, for ourselves, yeah. yes. And we have had... Um, lots of inquiries to, uh, I suppose, to get our pigs and our pork to other to uh, other retail outlets or to hotels but at the moment we're keeping it to to ourselves <laughs> now can you buy these products online yes you can buy these products online uh, we have our website and all those all our gobblers are available online along with all the other products in the store we are adding constantly to um, our online store and we deliver nationwide and we also provide a click and collect service in our Castle Troy store which will also be coming to our Dora Doyle store so if you're busy all day at work or at home and uh, you can order online and then you can come to our stores and just do a click and collect order which can be very handy so everything will be ready for you so you won't have to queue or wait around. 
And just give us the web address for that. It's www.garrets, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, sforsugar.ie. Very good. Fiona, thanks so much for coming in tonight and the very best with it. It looks like a fantastic range. Now, my mouth's watering just just reading all the, the different varieties that are here crumbed chicken goujons with paprika marinade do children really eat that yes they do um and the paprika can be a little spicy but not not very spicy but actually they're one of the favorites yeah of our um, our own children as well so our marinades are kind of middle of the road they're not too hot or they're not too bland so yeah children children do love them and it's nice to get different tastes and one last thing we have to point out before you go is you are award-winning because the McKenna's Guides yes. have recognised you. Yes, we've been got uh, the McKenna Guide. We've been getting um, that since 2006. So for the last 10 years, we've been awarded that every year. So or as my sister keeps telling me, we're running out of space in our stores, the wall. She said, we'll have to make it bigger to fit all the plaques on there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, continued success. Thanks for coming into me tonight. Thanks very to much for having me, Sharon. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break Fiona Madigan was in studio talking about Garrett's Butchers and their Garrett's Gobblers range which has been developed specifically with children in mind. Earlier in the programme Rachel Keeley shared her latest restaurant review with us and I was talking to Caroline Gray about the latest issue of Easy Food magazine. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast, which you'll now find on SharonNoonan.com or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We're at the final interview of the evening and it's to find out more about an event that starts this weekend. Helen Collins is on the line now with all the details about Taste of West Cork. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Helen, a taste of West Cork starts this Friday, the 9th of September, and it's on until the 18th of September. So I would imagine you have lots of different events to tell us about. Yes, I'd love to tell all your listeners about the, the wonderful events that we have taking place down in West Cork. We're covering a big spread of West Cork, all the way from actually Bandon to Bera. And it covers 32 towns and villages and eight islands. And it's all the wonderful magic ingredients uh, that make up West Cork. Um, There's over actually 185 events. I've counted them myself. And there really is something for everybody, um, ranging from wonderful food uh, tasting events to great restaurant events, guest chefs, um, traveling out on the water around the fastnet, kayaking, um, out to the islands, uh, lots of walking, um, and lots of lovely stately homes to visit, gardens, all sorts of things, something for everybody. You mentioned there about the different towns and islands and that there's lots of different venues participating this year and it's not just restaurants and cafes and hotels, there's some unusual venues. Starting off um, on the night before opening, we have the 
the Michael Collins play a great arrangement so and we have some other drama as well throughout the, the programme and then there's musical events and then there's whale watching and as I say kayaking and the islands we love including the islands because they're they're the gems of West Cork really um, our eight islands well there's more than that but they're the um, the inhabited islands and uh, and one can take a fantastic trip down the Bear Peninsula and go um, and take a trip on the the, the um, cable car across the Dursey Island and um, visit Bear Island uh, where they do um, a, a lot of food events and there's a lovely little food tour. There's great trips, um, obviously, um, around the Skibreen area and Baltimore area and Clonagilty and Bandon so, and, and Bantry um, because everybody really puts their best foot forward for this. And it, it's a case of making things simple for the visitor. I know we live here, we enjoy these wonderful um, islands and events on a reasonably regular basis, but it's really to put them all together in one document with all sorts of um, special, um, I suppose, emphasis uh, for people for this period and making it easy for everybody to get in their car all the way from West Limerick and around and come down to West Cork and stay and enjoy everything. Well, it is a beautiful part of the country. Nobody can deny that. And you're there on the wild Atlantic way. So, I mean, all the seafood and the shellfish and everything is plentiful. It is. And it makes for fantastic food. The raw ingredients that we have here are second to none. As I said to somebody yesterday, I've travelled a lot of the world and I've never in my life tasted as good as the food which I was raised on here in West Cork. It's just superb. And uh, the kind of emphasis we're like to bring on the festival is that we bring in guest chefs or we encourage our restaurants to bring in guest chefs because it, it makes things interesting um, to have um, kind of a, a new pair of hands in the kitchen it makes it interesting for the restaurant who's inviting the guest chef because it kind of ups the ante and creates an excitement and of course it creates a great excitement for the customer so we have a lot of fantastic guest chefs this year including obviously the very well-known names we have rachel allen and we have catherine fulvio we have danny barry um who's head chef um michelin star chef from um belfast we have Joe McNamee from Cork. We have a wonderful Japanese um, uh, chef, uh, Miyazaki, um, who's coming uh, from Cork as well. Um, all these events are, are creating great excitement. Derry Clark will be cooking out on Shirkin Island. He comes to do the RNLI barbecue every year. And um, there will be lots of people enjoying fantastic food. Martin Shannon will be in um, Fields and Skipperine and is obviously well known on TV as well. And uh, um, Ali Honor from uh, from Cork, from Ali's Kitchen. So it creates um, it creates a whole free song for everybody involved. Great fun. Um, I'm looking here, there's Lilia Hayes from uh, Avoca uh, who's coming to cook at the church restaurant and lots of really fantastic events. You have, you mentioned the church restaurant there, and you have yes. some very well-established, well-known restaurants in the area. Indeed we have, we have indeed. And uh, Regina in the church restaurant is um, superb, um, and it just provides wonderful food. Of course, we have the Muse in Baltimore, very famous now, Glebe Gardens, um, the Stuffed Olive in um, Bantry, 
um, you know, the, the wonderful organico in, in Bantry as well, and we have the Sugon in Clonakilty. Lots of wonderful, long-established restaurants, but again, adding a whole new level of interest just for the festival. Um, I know the Sugon are doing whiskey tastings from West Cork Distillery, and there's um, different kind of visits, like... Um, visits to abattoirs and learning the best cuts of meat and how to um, a, a, a find the, the best resources for yourself on, on the meat front. Um, there's rare cookery book workshop um, in um, Uru, which is a wonderful um, food uh, venue in Bandon. There's Keith Floyd's library will be discussed there. And in Union Hall, you can go... Um, to Casey's of Union Hall and, and go out fishing with Tom Collins and so you can go catch your um, your fish and your dinner in effect and bring it home and cook it at Casey's of Union Hall. So there's uh, there's lots to keep a body occupied and lots of different things, something for everybody. A very diverse programme indeed. Yes, now, for you personally, what are your highlights? If you had to choose one or two events that you're, you're particularly excited about, what would they be? For me now, it would be the likes of Danny Barry coming all the way from Belfast, the only female Michelin star chef in Ireland, the best chef in Ireland at the, the recent Food and Wine magazine awards. Like it would be a real, for me anyway, it would be a real opportunity to, to taste her cuisine in a different venue outside of Epic. Exactly. And I suppose in a way, Sharon, you're putting your finger on what my hopes and dreams would be for this festival. I, I would love to see um, more guest chefs coming. I would love to see it as a place where young chefs particularly and the more established chefs like Danny would want to come and just step out of their own restaurant and come to West Cork and infuse the fantastic um, West Cork food to create something kind of new and vibrant for themselves. You know, that, that you put your finger on it right there and certainly a Danny Barry would be a highlight for me um, the other, um, the other uh, uh, event which I'm really looking forward to is in um, Levis's in um, in uh, Ballady Hop, which is a very very famous pub. Julia and Nell presided there for years. Lord have mercy on them, and it is now. I'm just um, searching for it here so I can give you uh, the correct information. Um, it is. I believe, um, Singing for Your Supper in Levis's Corner House in Ballady Hop, and that's Saturday, the 17th of September. And uh, cooking there will be Robbie uh, Crack, Crackwich, who's from Tankardstown House. And uh, he's actually from this area, a wonderful, wonderful chef. And those that can sing best might get their supper for free. Happy days. You yeah. can't ask for more than that. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful venue. I, I, I actually, I'm not quite sure how Robbie is going to do the cooking because I think that um, it would be a, a pretty small kitchen, but I'm sure he'll manage it. And there's lots of music um, from Morris Caesar, of course, a, a, a Irish composer will be there. And um, I know that Joe McNamee will be there to help. There's a lot of people coming in to help. But um, we're going to go there and do our best to sing a song and uh, and get a good supper in return for singing. 
Fantastic, Helen. Thanks so much for telling us about it tonight. That's A Taste of West Cork. It starts this Friday, the 9th of September, runs until the 18th, and a tasteofwestcork.com is the web address for all the details. Thanks again, Helen. Okay, thank you, Sharon, very much indeed. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Sadly, that brings us to the end of tonight's show, which will be on the podcast later in the week, SharonNoonan.com. Thanks so much for listening and to all of this evening's guests, Rachel Keeley, Caroline Gray, Fiona Madigan and Helen Collins. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!